This week's episode is fun, unexpected, and full of rabbit holes. I interview one of my oldest friends, Jack Warman, whose background is in entrepreneurship and finance, and he's currently a co-founder of a company called Palm Tree NFT. But what we really get into is how Jack's spiritual awakening began with numbers, particularly 1111. He reads my neurological charts. We talk about the importance of discernment, which when it comes to spiritual awakenings, you're going to all of a sudden have a massive perspective shift that requires discernment. We talk about Plato's story, The Cave. We talk about how words are spells. I even share one of my many strange journeys into the astral realm. And we talk about so much more. It's a really fun conversation and I'm so excited to share it with you. Because I don't mention it in the episode, if you want to reach out and work with me. My website is www.schoolofwhispers.com. On it, you will find my social media, you'll find my email address and all that good stuff. All right, time for you to enjoy this week's episode of the School of Whispers podcast. You're listening to the School of Whispers podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the show and welcome to one of my genuinely oldest friends, Mr. Jackson James Warman. What's going on, Steph? Thank I'm so glad. Me. This feels like a really full circle moment here. Because it is. Yeah, it is. And I think I'm going to really just let you roll with what you want to talk about because the things you mentioned but when you first got here are really great. And I want to preface it with saying that Jack is, yeah, one of my oldest friends. And when I went through my massive spiritual awakening and then all of a sudden being shown visions of things that were outrageous actually your reading was the first one where um themes like that started to come in which makes total <laughs> sense and then i remember when um as time progressed i'm hit with other strange i don't like the word conspiracy i think that's bullshit i like the word fringe when um so other fringe concepts and topics started to come in into my vision, you've really helped me make sense of all of that. And I, and I know it's because you have, you went through this alone in the beginning. And, uh, I mean, as much alone as you could be, and you'll share more of that, but you've really dived into a lot of rabbit holes and you've really developed as a person from all of these deep dives. And from this point, I'm going to let you take the mic and let the audience know what you're all about. 
Sure. So, I guess to start with our individual journeys, it was interesting to me because I probably started to awaken to interesting fringe topics, if you will, in college back around 2016. And honestly, just like I think most people, I felt like I was losing my mind. Like I wasn't sure what was going on. It led me to read lots of wonderful things on the internet. Some <laughs> some true, some not true, which is okay. But then when you and I kind of, like when you moved back to America and we kind of became friends again, or back in contact, you would tell me what you were going through. And for the first time in my life, I was hearing things that I was reading on these internet boards from someone who wasn't a closeted psychopath in their mom's basement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it was like someone from my life who I knew had no nothing to gain from lying to me. And that's what really gave it a lot of value to me. In thinking of what I wanted to talk about here, there's three kind of pieces of advice that I've gained that I think have furthered me along my uh, furthered me along my journey to being in touch with reality further than anything I could have identified, I guess. So number one is our friend Plato's allegory of the cave. This is a concept that everyone that I've, I've had thrown around to me for a while, just like most people, didn't think about too deeply and just thought it was something you learned in school. I had a very intelligent friend named Tristan uh, early on in college kind of sit me down and kind of just make me think through it one day. It really blew my mind because it, it showed me it's a universal phenomenon that we deal with more so today probably than any other time in history besides the literal time of caves. So to break it down, the allegory of the cave, imagine you're in a dark room where there is just one source of light. It's not the direct source. It's being bounced back between various walls and, sh and shadows and reflections are made. So if you're someone who was born in this cave, this is the only reality you understand you're privy to. So to you, that is the ultimate reality. You are you're kind of at the mercy of whomever is controlling that source of light to, to show you what your reality is when you are not actually the one determining that. Um, and then just the basis of it is that once you, once you have the luxury of having that perspective, you can just take the few steps you need to crawl out of this cave and see that there's a whole world of direct experience that you can achieve on your own. So I think that was the main thing for that, is that this world is fucking insane. And it may seem like everyone has it all figured out, but I think the only true statement is that no one has anything figured out and most people are faking everything. <laughs> so you, I think you need to remember that because people are really good at faking things. And perception is reality, as the allegory of the cave teaches you. So you just need to keep that in mind. When you mentioned in the beginning about going on the internet and finding things that were true and untrue, it, it the word that flared in my mind was discernment. And obviously, I know I've had to develop and trust my discernment. Can you share a little bit about your own development of discernment while because I'm sure some of these listeners um, with whatever I'm going to end up naming this show, I'm going to hint at, we're talking about rabbit holes here. So yeah, please talk about your development of discernment. So it's definitely an ongoing process. Um, I'm sure I've shared things with friends years ago that sound absurd. And 
honestly, like you need to be willing to take that risk while keeping your wherewithal to understand that even a gut feeling should be true. But if you need to always go back and check and verify that your thoughts and your theories are based in some kind of ground. How? (laughs) (laughs) I think, hmm. Like I could say you could write them down, but I would say keep a tab on them. And, and one, I think just having the perspective that you can always be wrong is enough because like, I think it's, it's in our society, it's like people's characters are defamed so quickly and so easily that like people are, are afraid of being wrong when it's okay. It shows that you're trying. Like when you work out, if you're doing it effectively, you go till failure and then you, you kind of set back up, see where you went wrong and see where your limit was. That may be a little distracted uh, comparison, but that's the point. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how, but it's that like in history, like philosophers probably weren't right all the time. Like, they had to be wrong to make progress, just as through anything you iterate until you succeed. Speaking of philosophers, something that I actually kind of felt recently, um, or I listened, I heard recently, and it, I, it just didn't fully resonate, was uh, I think, therefore I am. Because I honestly think the, the thinking mind is the ego, and the being mind is the consciousness. And that's just a little bit of a tangent, distracted tangent there, but... I like that. So... I don't know if that's that's a good tangent. Um, just from stuff I've read, it one I think the hardest thing to do in life is to get out of your ego, because it literally is a conscious removal of yourself from yourself, and then reversal to then look at yourself and see, like why is my ego acting like this, or why does it need to act like this, uh, which is hard. Like, and I say that like I do it. Like you, you know, it's a process. But from stuff I've read, there is like an interesting thought of the active mind the thinking mind is the ego and then the kind of the passive receiving mind is and can connect to what people call the universal mind or god if you will whatever you want to use whatever term you want to use um now i i don't have the best explanation of this other than from my direct experience when you get random bouts of inspiration that is you connecting to the universal mind um some might call it the akashic record which is just the the record of everything that is and ever will be but it's certain people are really good at tuning into that, and some people are, are not and are learning. Um, so it's an interesting, I guess, phenomenon that you're not ever directly told about, but mm. can come up through certain methods of research. I think I finished the thought on Plato, or on the yeah. Agora of the Cave. It's just that basically you need to experience your reality yourself, and you need to be the one making the calls. And it's okay to be wrong, but like you can't always. You gotta. You have to make progress, and you need to work past being wrong and accept it and and thank be thankful for people in your life that will listen to you when you are wrong and still be your friend through it because those are the people that you should have in your life this also brings up a little tangent that i'm going to say right now about cancel culture that is really the whole thing about it if you are wrong you are canceled you're done and i don't resonate with that at all because we all fuck up we all have an ego who's ever developing we all have a consciousness and a ability to whisper that is ever developing and if we're in a society where we can't mess up then we're doing something wrong speaking of the whispers that is what this podcast is called so i always ask my guests to sort of talk about some of the whispers in their life that really stood out and you're nodding at me i think you know already what i'm talking about but do you want me to specify a little bit more 
So whispers can be anything from a like an Instagram post that just resonates and adds to your healing knowledge. It can be you on a walk and all of a sudden getting an epiphany. Oh my God, I don't I don't know who I am and I'm not sure if this life is for me. It's time to change. Or you're in you're holding um the person you love and feeling that like direct like that's something that's more powerful it's untangible whispers can be so many other things but i think you get the gist can you touch on that um i'll go to back to where like the beginning of all this for me <clears throat> it was numbers um i'm a big numbers guy but i would get these what felt like messages like i didn't know they were messages at the time i just thought they were crazy coincidences but it was like every single time i would walk past my microwave for like a week it would be one 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 either one 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 or one 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 and i'd be like oh that's weird okay whatever until it got to a point where i literally just could not ignore it so then i started googling what is this why do i keep seeing these specific numbers and i would get answers thankfully before before google was i mean they still come up but, but when google was a little bit better you would get these things that say they're other angel numbers they're messages from something and I just started to like subtly pay attention to them. I didn't give them too much credit until until they just literally became too hard to ignore. Um, so then I was like, okay, what is like, what do I do from here? And I just started googling things until I could. I got some to some like point. They're like, okay, this is numerology. Numbers have meaning aside from their mathematical ability and value. Um, what I mentioned earlier before. We've been having a lot of sound difficulties, but <laughs> what I mentioned earlier was I i guess I would see numbers as a translation of energy. And under this lens, you, you, you absolutely can. Um, okay, so I'm going to... I'm gonna save you all the basic astrological explanation, but but I'm sure everyone here is in some capacity looked at astrology, whether it's just what's my horoscope in the newspaper to what is my sun sign to like what is my natal chart. Um, as much as people you know shit on it, I would highly implore you all to go look at your natal charts because at the very least they're a really great potential self awareness tool. And that's all I would ever tell people to look at them as. Um, and obviously you can, you can overcome anything in it, but it's, it's a good basis to help know yourself and like the highest esoteric knowledge of all, in my opinion, is know yourself, know thyself, which is something we're all still trying to do. But numerology is the same thing. And you can have numerological aspects of yourself in tandem with astrological aspects. And personally, when people to me say the matrix it's a literal matrix, a mathematical matrix of cells that are different values, whether it's someone with this astrology, this numerology, this Chinese astrology, all, which makes up you as a person. It's all your minute little details. Um, but astrology and numerology ex actually go farther than just the person. Uh, people, depending on who you ask, say cities, businesses, and entities can all have their own astrology based on when they first came into reality. Um, so what I was saying to Stephanie about today being a good day for communication is because it's a, the 3rd of May, and 3 is supposedly the number associated with communication, comedy, and childlike behavior. So wow. you can put as much value in that as you'd like. It, I'm not here to convince anyone, but it's, it's really what you can see in reality. Well, right here, we're doing a podcast. I think I'm really funny, and we've known each other since childhood. Right there. 
And it's just that certain days, uh, it, it, the best example I find is, is the number 11 in numerology is the number of emotional energy. And 11 days, and just just for the context, you can literally add up the days of the, of the date and, to, and uh, reduce them by adding them again. Can you explain? Yes, to get the, the day. So each, just for example, each person, each country, each date will have two vibrations, the major and the minor. The major is like what everything sums up and, and reduces down to, and the minor is just literally the day of the month. So like today is the third, the minor vibration is three. But then you do five, May, May is the fifth month, three, and then the year two, and this is a little bit more advanced, but because we're in 2022, 22 is a master number, so that doesn't get reduced, but that gives us 32. So 32 reduces again to five, I'm sorry if this is going too fast for you guys, but five is about travel and exercise. The way it reduces to five is three plus two equals five. For those who are math-minded like Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the minor number? That would be the major number. Oh, that's the major. Um, but yeah, some people call this like Chaldean numerology, maybe from the history. Um, but I would, I would just implore you to go on go online and start googling stuff obviously not everything's going to be right so be, be wary of who you follow but do you have resources that you recommend um i have a dude i've learned from and his name is literally gary the numbers guy he's uh honestly has a hard time on twitter he gets banned a lot <laughs> but so he's always on under different things but um if you search gary the numbers guy you should be able to find him and like his associates and then can you give an example of ways for those of us who don't know ways that numerology can be applied to your persona i know that um you've taught me ways and yeah yeah go into it so just like your i guess astrology would be whatever house a planet is in you look just like i did that math on the date you do it on your own birthday okay so, so we'll do stephanie's birthday okay it's august 28th 1995 so august is eight Plus two plus eight plus one plus nine plus nine plus five is forty-two. You can reduce four plus two into six. So six, and then I happen to know that twenty-eight is the number of wealth. So Stephanie is a very lucky woman, Mana. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, so, and wealth. So you could look at that as Stephanie's six. Six is all about like your yourself and your foundation um and the earth and then uh what's the other one 28 is actually the specific, the one number about wealth ironically enough it's the only one like that so wealth in finances but perspective uh health and like relationships cool so it could be a lot of things wow um, but i would just google i would google it like you you do that on yourself then google these two numbers numerology isn't six has something to do with like family and relationships as well? And family, yes. Yeah. Well, so to kind of give a little bit of evidence to that, one, uh, somebody that I work very, very closely with is just the, the energy of Mother Earth. And like I, I feel her come in and kind of move through me in a lot of sessions, especially when there is a mother wound or a, a, a connection with the universe wound. And then on the other side of it, well, I mean, 
I love my family (laughs) and relationships are something that have always come easy to me or have brought massive lessons such as boundaries and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. The polarity really shows up in all my relationships. And that's the whole thing is that you're experiencing because, okay, not, and not just explains, okay, to go a little bit deeper, it not just explains your personality, but it's what's called your life path. And this on it, like, sorry to do this to you guys making you take a lot of assumptions here, but to take my perspective, you're going to have to, um, pick up what feels good yeah, and leave down what sure. doesn't use your discernment. But I personally believe we are, re- we reincarnate. Oh, that's so funny. Every time I mention reincarnation, I always preface yeah. it with that. <laughs> cool. So it shows you major themes that you will have to deal with in this incarnation. Just as Stephanie was explaining that, she's her, in my opinion, showing all the different sides of that vibration that she has to experience in this day and age. And I'm sure we'll go into other other soul tie agreements that Stephanie, I'm sure we'll cover at other points in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then to kind of tie that all up is the first time I ever felt, well, really this, the first time I ever felt, felt spirit, remember Picasso? My, yeah. yeah. So when she died, I remember walking outside and being like, oh my God, I feel this. And since that age of 14, always kind of searching for it. So the second time I really felt it was I was doing a, an angel meditation and I called in whomever and my grandmother on my mom's side came in. But then I also heard the name Serafina. I'd never heard that name before. And and now, and she's somebody, I think she's like kind of the first quote unquote deity that I've worked with. Yeah. And when I looked her up after, she is the patron angel. I don't know if patron's the right word. She's the angel for family and relationships. Oh my God. Yeah. See, that's that's amazing. I didn't even, I, when I hear Seraphim, I think of Seraphim, which I think means some kind of, somewhere in the angelic hierarchy. Which yeah. is like, that's weird. So wow. Shit. She's, she's come in a lot. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, yeah. do I want to share this with people? Do you? <laughs> Okay. I might delete this. I might not. Um, But when I really began my journeys with astral travel, I at one point ended up my, my friends, because I would really, when this was all coming in, I would start my morning meditations at 5am. And my friend had texted me the night before saying, Hey, I want you to find out there's more planets like earth. And I remember reading that in my 5 a.m. about to sit sit in for meditation and thinking, okay, like, no big deal. I'll figure it out. And I kind of did. Well, okay. One, I, I learned that there is no planet like Earth in terms of what our destiny, agenda, purpose is. And that purpose is to find unity within polarity. Like a school. Yeah, yeah, it's a school. And, but I remember looking at a planet and it was all black and thinking, that's intimidating. And then somebody I had met in the astral realms, I kind of, I felt intimidated. So I kind of like popped over to him and said, hey, what's going on? Can you explain? He goes, Oh yeah. I mean, if you're in the astral body of Stephanie, the human, then you're not going to be able to see much. But if you tap into your higher self, then you will 
your higher dimensional form of you really, then let me know what you see. And I looked at it and it was like a holographic planet, really wild. And then I went into it, I guess I just kind of leaned into it and I ended up there. And it's funny because when I've done esoteric acupuncture protocols, one other person has mentioned and described the same place. So wow. wild. <laughs> but part of who was there was these three or four beings that didn't look like human, but they looked like me in that in the form that I was in, if that makes sense. And they were like, oh, we've been waiting for you. We're so glad. Like they welcome you with open arms. And one of them was, it was the same energy stamp as Serafina. And she, I felt this motherly presence. And so I, I almost kind of call her like my cosmic mama. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's my, my weirdo tangent here. Let's get a little bit back more. So we talked about numerology, how we can apply it to ourself. Is, um, and just the last thing I yeah. want to cover with numerology is that like, Gary, this guy wrote this interesting book that looks at all these dates in history and like, and I personally think if you look at the dates and again, I sound, this always sounds crazy, but I've gotten to the point where like, I just really don't care. Like it's, it's rain true Same. enough in my life that like, I, I can just, I think, talk about it. Certain things are always orchestrated on certain days. And I, certain people believe they're to harness those energies. And I think if you really start to pay attention, a lot of extremely negative, destructive acts and actions always happen to be on 11 and 22 days and numerologically speaking that's because 11 is all about harnessing emotional energy and 22 is all about uh, master building and master destruction um like the the, the glaring example is 9 11 not a conversation i'm going to get into today but that is what ticked off most people to numerology that event so i'm thinking that leads me to the second topic i wanted to share with everyone today which is history yes into my life um if you might guess i've always liked math classes maybe that's because i've had it slightly a more i've honestly had an easier time with it it's what's come natural to me in high school i did not pay any attention in my history classes just being honest and I was interested because, like, I care about history. Like, I care about where I came from and where we're going because the two are so directly connected. But I just felt like, one, my public school education history is just not great. One, you're trying to fit a lot of things into a class where people aren't really incentivized to care. But two, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't. it just wasn't doing it for me. Fast forward to times... And you come to learn about the concept of narratives. Narratives mm. as in a story. Narratives can either be true or false, but it's what drive the world. To narratives. To narratives. Now, sadly, hist- in my opinion, a huge part of history or the perspective of history is a narrative written by whichever group won that time in history. Because... They had, sadly, the ability to wipe out populations and rewrite everything to their own liking. We've seen this many times, even in our recent times. Um, it's really all I want to say is, like, keep that in mind. Is that you, I think when people always quickly, you know, reject ideas, reject things, it's because they think, oh, 
it just logically can't make sense. This couldn't be the most, the, the peak of society. This couldn't be, we were just cavemen back in the day. How the fuck do you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you were not there. <clears throat> no one knows how they built the pyramids of Giza. They still couldn't do it today. I think some, I think some get a little bit close. Sure. Um, I'm thinking about the podcast you sent me. Oh, what was his name? The numerology guy. Um, the one who was a hedge fund. Who? Oh my God. Um, Robert. Yes. Robert Grant. Yes. The oh, boy. Highly recommend. Look, if you, if this, if you're Robert hearing Edward this, Grant. if you're hearing this and you're feeling your ears perk up, Robert Edward Grant. Pyramids, numerology, changing history as we know it. Rediscovering history. Rediscovering, because mm. again, just my perspective, if we're going to talk about Egypt, and this is what this guy is probably realizing, is that it's it, it's meant to specifically retain history because they couldn't, you can't rely on people to not change things. So you have to encode it into the monuments itself because they're quite literally too hard to change. And thankfully, they've been these ones have been protected. Um, so it's just, it's just the thought that don't be so egotistical about your perspective. Like we can be wrong. It's okay. Um, and it's just that literally history is written by the victor, his story. It is written in the word, which I think is honestly a good segue to my third point, (laughs) which is words are spells. I don't know if you've heard that before. Um, I honestly... I don't hear it much. I have been learning a lot about curses, which maybe I'll mention this here, um, or maybe we'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Um, but I know how powerful words unintentionally can be, but as well as intentionally. But words are spells is not really something I've dived into. So, so I'll start with my... Because it's, it's, it's a very practical definition, and it's also esoteric at the same time. Um, I've worked in remote businesses my whole career where I'm taking orders from someone, or at least in the past, I was taking orders from someone to do actions through the internet across time and space, and that was our only interaction. They were eight, these people, like, you are able to con- control drive and, and manifest reality through your words if you are smart enough to manifest that and, and concentrate your energy to create that reality for yourself. Um, now I don't, I'm not telling everyone to go start a remote business and order people around. I'm saying that if you look deeply enough in, in most structures, they are run through the spoken word because that is how people are influenced. That is how information is conveyed. We can't, I'm sure in some capacity there are hexes and there are spells people can cast, but the lay person every single day encounters spells through the written word. How many times have you read an advertisement and subconsciously been affected by it? Probably past your conscious awareness. You, odds are those words are what affected you. And it's it's such a powerful thing that you don't you don't think about it until it is put in your face. And Can you give some examples? Because you've given me examples when I was struggling with marketing. Because that that's really your a massive part of your background. So yeah, can you share some examples? I mean, I think that's a good, a good example tangibly is like... I'm, I think this is where I explained to you is like there's the word copywriting and people just like think of the trademark copyright that's like the word stops but that's like a career a copywriter is someone who writes what is called copy for a business so all the words that appear in their messaging from advertisements billboards text messages posts 
they're all very specifically tailored based on the effect they ideally will have from the sorcerer or the person writing the words. Sorcerer? (laughs) (laughs) But that's where like you, you have to look at the icons of what people call magic in our day-to-day life is their, their icons, their, their, uh, symbols that retain information. Why do you think wizards hold spell books? They are books of spells, which in our life are just normal books. Um, and then the other, I guess the, the esoteric side is, it's like how your words affect people. I think that's kind of what Stephanie was saying, is how words intentionally or unintentionally affect. Saying, hey, go do that, shut up, has a negative effect on people. I think if you look at the vibration of those phrases, they actually are, uh, whatever, they're cacophonic, they're not symphonic, they're like, they're not a symphony. They're oh, like, right, they, they the hurt. chaos. They're chaotic. And if you look at the human body, it is 70% water. And if you look at vibration through somatics, you see that vibrations literally shape water. You can, you, you, there's that experiment where someone takes, I don't remember what it is, but some, some food and they, like green beans and they like scream into it. Uh, rice. Rice. It's rice. They take rice and they either say really mean things and they sell really, or, and, and then they put it away and they take one and give it extremely positive vibrational messages. And you can literally see the difference in the rice over time because of this, like, of the effect that has. So, actually, somebody told me about this recently. So, what happened was, they, um, they, they, taped "I love you" on one jar, and then they taped like "You, you fucking suck" on another jar, and they both put them in the closet. And on the "I love you" jar, there was only like a, a minuscule spot, and you can Google this. There's a minuscule spot of uh, mold on the jar, but in the "I hate you" or "You suck," "You're a failure" jar, there was mold all over. And yeah, I mean, words are vibrations, numbers are vibrations. The world is a vibration. We live, according to Walter Walter Russell, we live in a universe of light. We are all just reflections. And I and I guess just to, in my perspective again. People say, oh, we're in our simulation, we're in a computer, we're in our fucking dream. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. Do I believe that? Probably. But it doesn't matter because it's we still exist in this reality. So even if it's not the base, we have to be here. But you can, you can take that understanding and it allows you to separate yourself from this and ideally see that whatever the base reality is does affect this but you you have the room to to kind of withdraw and see that this isn't this is all an illusion thankfully you can shape it to be a positive life but like like when life gets you down you need to understand that can we dive in for those who don't really have never heard or ascribed to the concept that life is an illusion. Can you dive a little bit deeper into what that means to you? And I'll let you have a sip of your drink first. Have a couple sips. This is kind of a deep topic. I think, I mean, it's, it's again, thankfully, it's one of those things that you have the freedom to put as much meaning to as you'd like, because it's very easy to ignore. So yeah, you can, you can ignore this or you cannot, but but it isn't a illusion. I think certain certain cultures call it Maya, like the, the grand illusion. Um, I think the Egyptian cultures call it Nut or Newt, and it's literally like the image of a woman kind of standing hunched over other people, almost as like a, a the seal of a container, if you will. Um, but it's that, and some people, you know, some people say reality is a dream. Some people say, Tallahassee people say we live in a simulation. Like, it's just to show that the crazy one and some capacity crazy things happen that make it seem fake 
or synchronicities happen that make it seem too 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 crazy to be real, too much to be real. And I mean, to me, it shows the deeper level that there has to be some kind of higher level orchestration to make these crazy things happen so frequently, past the point of statistical coincidence. Um, but it's also showing literally, physically, and I think Stephanie knows more about this than I do, that the, the dimensional nature of reality, we live in the third and fourth dimensions of physical existence. Our consciousness can traverse, I don't know how many dimensions, there's like nine to 12 dimensions or something, for and above our past physicality. And there's a lot that goes on past that, whether you're aware of it or not. Should I, should I take a moment to kind of define the third and fourth? Um, so this is based off of the podcasts, I, podcasts I've listened to and as well as my own experience. But from what I understand, the third dimension is what we see, feel, and hear. Honestly, I find it's what makes living on earth so wonderful, so painful because that's the nature of all things spiritual. I think I mentioned this before, but all things spiritual, there's going to be that, or all things tantric, which is just this pure sensation of life. There's going to be that polarity. Just as anything, it's like what gives it value. Like because it's a scarce thing, life is scarce. It is what makes it so special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what when you say life is scarce, because within the fourth and 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 plus dimension, are beings that aren't in a cosmonautic earthly meat suit. They don't experience the things to the full capacity, such as taste, or pain, time. love, time. Which is the fourth dimension. Y- right. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, well, I think about third dimensional time, which is birth, life, and death, which we kind of, I think it gets a bad reputation similar to the ego, but I think it's magical. It's magical because in the fourth dimension, our spirits are things, the untangible things. When you walk into a room and you feel somebody whose energy is not so great and you subconsciously or consciously think, Ooh, I'm going to stay away from that person. That's you tuning into the fourth dimension, but also within the fourth dimension are beings, those who have passed on or those who have never inhabited a suit, a meat suit before. And that also includes entities, which I don't know if this podcast will be out yet. Entities can be positive or negative and I'm right now I'm referring to the negative entities that want to inhabit our body and part of the reason is and I can't help but feel compassion for them is because they want to experience life fully the way that we can only that you can only feel physically in the third dimension right exactly and so how what Jack is referring to when we experience life on the third and fourth dimension is whether we are consciously aware of it or not this we obviously we know the the 3d but the 4d is i guess you could call it the the sensation of passing through time the passing in can you explain that yeah i mean honestly i didn't understand this dimension until i saw the movie uh inception or not inception uh interstellar oh yeah where you literally have the actor's he, he literally leaves into the Tesseract, which is the view of the fourth dimension from a higher level. And it's just like literally passing fast forward or reverse on a movie, but the movie is your life. Um, so he literally goes to a point in time and leaves specific cues, like a knock on the door for himself to trigger himself to do something, which is what really shifted my perspective into all of this. 
but it goes and that's like your higher self programming things for you in your reality but the, I think the key to this whole conversation is that like that I think Stephanie's trying to get to is that it's all a shift in perspective and consciousness because mm-hmm. you can see life as this fixed limited experience that you YOLO you only live once fuck it <laughs> or it's just another lifetime that you have to learn and grow and ideally work past your karma I think in certain schools so it's just a shift in perspective. That's like what I would want to leave with you. Is it like you can you can think that you're gonna die and that sucks for you, but like I live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> we both do yeah. Jack. And I, I absolutely believe that we have been together within different uh timelines and dimensions because when we met each other in third uh kindergarten and I remember what was it? We were playing Jurassic Park, I think, and I thought you were weird, but also uh, we were buddies from that point, yeah. easily from the first day we played together. Um, wow, I love this. I fucking love this conversation. It, timelines are really difficult, to, and, and for anyone who doesn't really think about time in this sort of respect, when we are talking about this, and maybe you need to rewind after hearing this, but time doesn't from what I've understand by tuning in is time isn't past, present, future in a linear form. It is more like past, present, future stacked on each other, like layers of a cake, but also within that cake are going to be these other layers that aren't cake textured. They're jelly textured, they're frosting textured, they're nut textured. So it's that different quality that isn't so if you have to like close your eyes as you take a bite to really feel fully and I mean that really is the whole like premise behind whispers it's it's subtle and as long as you train yourself to tune into the subtleties you will feel them eventually and it's the first step is being open to them yeah yeah that's a really good point it's a really good point we have made it so far. We've packed a lot into a short amount of time, even with all these technical glitches. Yeah, for real. Is there anything else that you want to share here? Any sort of tangent? I think it's just like we are in this period of reality that is weirder than any other time because people are empowered by technology and various other mechanisms that give them certain power that others don't have. I I would just want people to keep their how do I say this like keep your wits about you in the sense that the the everything exists in the mind like we've evolved from warfare that lined up soldiers in a field to psyops and psychological warfare because that is where wars are fought and won in the mind there is a war for your mind whether you again want to acknowledge it But thankfully, you have all the power to win or lose that war. And all it takes is one, being aware and doing a little bit of thinking for yourself and having literally just the patience to work through certain things. And what I mean by that is that we live in a world dictated by headlines and propaganda. And sadly, a lot of times when things are propagandized or or demonized, it is when they are the closest to the truth. So maybe use that as a heuristic in sometimes when people in certain sources are telling you to feel a certain way, 
that's them doing every single thing in their power to influence you to think opposite of how you should. And that doesn't always ring true, but I find it is relatively true relatively often. That, that actually, well, I have a few more questions, but before that, I, um, I remember it was 2020. It was right kind of a little bit after the main, all the riots of Black Lives Matter. And I wasn't sure who to vote for. And I was really upset. And I was at the verge of, you and I were walking around our lake as our, our usual. Oh, I miss those. We'll do them again soon. And you said to me, Stephanie, don't you realize this is what they want? This is what they feed off of. And they being, I guess, the powers that be that feed off of chaotic emotions. The sensation of over-heightened, uncontrollable, of chaotic emotions. And if there ever is a goal with these sort of media things that don't... To go on what you're saying is the goal of most media is to put you in, which is going to throw people off, into your reptilian brain. People talk about reptilians from many perspectives. Less developed reptile brain, like the which is just a fight or flight mechanism, I think. Yeah. And when you're told the world outside is dangerous, bombed, scary, unsafe, and just goes back to the allegory of the Plato's cave, you're not, you don't have direct experience. So you just, if you're not conscious, will go off of what you're told, either subconsciously or consciously, and at the very least, subconsciously, it will trigger you to feel those chaotic emotions. And that honestly is the whole purpose. But the crazy thing is that once you get to that perspective, it's very easy to step back because you see that you're being baited. Yes. When you said that to me in 2020, I felt all my emotions suck back into my face. And I was like, oh. And that was a, that, that really is a pivotal moment for me in realizing that I don't want my, because when at first it was in terms of food, I didn't want my, what I ingested to be influenced by this, um, I guess, elite, all-powerful sort of entity, whether it's Tyson fucking chicken or the government. And, and I, I mean, shoot. I mean, this might be the first time me mentioning this on the podcast. I don't like big entities that try to influence how I should act or feel. But yeah, I felt everything suck back in. And I was like, oh my God, my emotions are not mine. And and made me just look back at all the times in my life that I, my emotions didn't belong to me. It's programming, sadly. And it takes a while to understand that. But if you look, I mean, if you ever watch the news for like five hours straight... And after like two hours, it's like, they're just repeating everything. Just fucking the same thing repeated over again. Because repetition is how you program a human subconscious. And sadly, people do not realize that. Trauma and repetition. And that's what the news does. It traumatizes you into thinking the world is going to end repeatedly. (laughs) But again, thankfully, it's not that sophisticated of a system. What breaks it, Jack? (laughs) <laughs> perspectives <laughs> <laughs> alright my last questions 
are because I'm such a food person and food medicine is something that I will be incorporating into my career once I graduate. What is a food that you have found incredibly healing recently? I would have to go with chicken liver. <laughs> um, I know beef liver is probably slightly more nutritious, but I find chicken liver a little bit more appetizing. I'm not on the raw liver gang, although I would like to try it. I'm just, uh, I can't take that step. Do you know Liver King? Of course I know the Liver King. That's, Mana talks about him all the time. <laughs> he's he's a, a phenomenon of nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think he had, I mean, his results are there, you know? <laughs> Do you feel the direct effects of the liver when you eat it? Every time. It's the only food I eat where I feel like energetic and, and kind of reinvigorated when I'm done, which is cool. Like you can't, you don't find that with a lot of other foods. Yeah. Not like bloated or tired or sleepy. Like, I mean, I know that with lions, right? The, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, <laughs> it's what they say for the leader of the pack. <laughs> yeah. The, the leader of the pack eats organ meats. That's pretty cool. Um, I didn't expect that from you. <laughs> I'm a man of, of many, uh, many tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mana's made liver out of, it was pineapple, onion, bacon, and he made a, wow. a mean like, was sort it... of gravy. He made it in a skillet, so it was, it was quite charred too. Because I know it can be a little bit chewy. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So Saito's does, does a good job. Yeah, they do. Shout out Saito's. <laughs> in West Palm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All throughout the 561. I mean, honestly, I gotta be, I gotta be real with you. Uh, Saito's makes it come out of both ends for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are more blessed than others. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, we won't include <laughs> this. <laughs> All right, and my last question is, what is a darkness? And you could go as deep or as shallow as you'd like, but what is the darkness that you have recently been moving through? I think avoidance is one. Um, I'm really good about handling the high level things I need to handle, which is usually, you know, my career, my job, my business. Um, but at the sake of my personal self and health, usually, I always put that ahead of the other. And I'm slowly realizing that you need to put... You put the professional ahead of the, per the personal. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of have, um, which is good. Like, it, it keeps me on task, but... You know, certain things will lack, whether it's not having food in the fridge because I didn't go grocery shopping or my clothes are all dirty because I didn't have time to clean them. Um, which I'm just like realizing how that has a, an effect into the business and I'm, I'm working past that. Whether it's literally even making your bed, like those all little things are avoidance and just doing them literally gives you serotonin also, which helps you complete other tasks. So it's, it's nice because it, through the process of working through it, it does yield results. Something I recently kind of stepped into was the spirituality behind homemaking. Hmm. Just. I don't know if this is the answer, but isn't that like what feng shui kind of says? Like yeah. the energy of the home? I don't know. And it's, I mean, it's how you add character to a space, which is, there is energy where you live. And you know that better than anyone. Which means I need to work on the feng shui of my apartment. <laughs> Yeah, your apartment's a little bit sparse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bachelor pad. Yeah, it is. Oh, did you say bachelor or bastard? Uh, both. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, this has been really awesome. 
And I'm so grateful that you were open with sharing a lot of these things, even though we didn't, I feel like we kind of sat on the surface of a lot of topics that I eventually, as the podcast progresses, as um, I kind of get a handle on who's listening, I would love to dive deeper, deeper into a lot of the fringe concepts, truly. And I mean, personally, I know I don't feel comfortable with that yet sure. because I'm figuring out, yeah, who's listening. See, if people are interested, I would love to come back all right so share some feedback because jack does a lot and i've i've like again i mentioned earlier i would get visions things like i remember sitting at my altar one day having a tummy ache and just kind of at my altar saying oh my tummy hurts so bad somebody help me <laughs> and then getting in response victoria's secrets a fucking conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> just being shown all these things and then you were the person I reached out to because one I knew that you would accept me with open arms because that's not for everyone to hear I know I know I have shared this with our friends who have said oh Steph this isn't I don't have the capacity to hold this right now but you one were able to hold space for me in that and then number two you were like oh yeah 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 and you gave me a, a platform to work from from there which, just for context, is that uh, Mr. Wexner was the financier behind Jeffrey Epstein, who also ran Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Which is just crazy, because that's where I go. I was, like, reading stuff online, and then Stephanie's connection to the unknown... Like a year later from you reading this? Probably years later. Like, years, this was, yeah. like, 2016 when I started reading about that. But that's my point, is that, like, it, it just connects. Everything connects. And sometimes your long-lost best friend is what's going to connect it for you. So remember that yeah and also one like jack has always said keep your mind open and ask questions and don't ever think that you're better than these conspiracies or these fringe topics and because I, I know i thought i was i thought i was too but i hate to say it but like go look at the etymology and and use of the word conspiracy theory and to be this guy, it was literally, like, I hate to say it, but it was, it's very important, is that it was made, that term was made popular by the CIA to discredit freethinkers. And, like, it's the whole point of character assassination is what is the main use for stifling discussion. And, like, you can't fucking let that get to you. Like, it's, it's too easy. So, <laughs> to leave that on a good note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Part two will be coming out very soon. But for now, this is it, folks. Thank you so much, Jack, for being here and being you. And thank you, Steph. It was a fucking pleasure. I know. Yes. Next episode, we'll talk about crypto and NFTs. So stay tuned. Guys. Yeah, conspiracies, crypto, and NFTs, which are Jack's. This is my middle name. Yeah, his middle name and lifelong passion and career. Adios. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find Jack on social media and see what else he's up to, his Instagram is Jack underscore Warman. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Maybe give me a review, a rating. That would be so incredibly helpful. And be sure to subscribe. Next Monday's episode is going to be on past life regressions. I talk a little bit about the mechanics of it. And I share 
three, which may be self-indulgent, but I mean, I think all three of them are really great, <laughs> but three of my own past life regression stories. So you don't want to miss that one. It makes me cry every time. <laughs> all right. Thank you again. And I'll feel you next week.